Welcome to episode number 98 of More Than Bread. I'm just two episodes away from 100, which means absolutely nothing other than it's 100. I I can't stop at 100 because we won't be done with the Gospel of Mark, and we got to finish that. But I may take a wee bit of a break after the Gospel of Mark is finished. The, the next series after Mark will be Paul's prison epistles. Those four New Testament letters were written by Paul when he was in prison, actually under house arrest in Rome. The letters, uh, the books of the New Testament called Ephesians, Philippians, Colossians, and Philemon. So if you're joining us for the very first time, I would suggest you hit pause and go back at least to episode number 67, which is the beginning of the Gospel of Mark, or maybe even back to episode number 44, which was the beginning of the series on the Gospel of John, or all the way back to episode number one, which launched a 40-plus series tour through the whole New Testament, regardless where you join us. In every installment of More Than Bread, I I kind of do the same thing. I, I read the scripture, sometimes making a, a few comments along the way, and then I share a few devotional and applicational points. And, and finally, I read the scripture again, and and I pray. That's it. Pretty simple. And And honestly, if it's of value, it's of value because when the Word of God is breathed into the people of God by the Spirit of God— not the spirit of Dan, the spirit of God. Um, man, that's more than bread, and we will thrive. So we're reading a, a bit larger portion of Scripture this time. I'll be reading all of Mark chapter 13, first from the New Living Translation. Here's what it says. So as Jesus, remember in the last episode, Jesus was at the temple, and he had this this moment of seeing this woman give this amazing gift. And and now as Jesus, verse 1 of chapter 13, was leaving the temple that day, one of his disciples said, teacher, look at these magnificent buildings. He's talking about the temple complex, right? Look at the impressive stones in the walls. Verse 2, Jesus replied, yes, look at these great buildings, but they will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of another. Later, Jesus said on the Mount of Olives, across the valley from the temple. In my words, I, I've, I've been there before. It's a, it's a very narrow valley, not like the valleys of, of Pennsylvania or the Grand Canyon, but, but a, a narrow valley so that when you're on the top of one mountain, Mount of Olives, looking across to the temple built on the Temple Mount, it, it almost looks close. It, it's very easy to see. It's, it's a, a significant thing that you would see. So later, Jesus said on the Mount of Olives, across the valley from the temple, he's looking at the the temple. Peter, James, and John, and Andrew came to him privately and asked him, tell us, when will all this happen? What sign will show us that these things are about to be fulfilled? Jesus replied, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name, claiming I'm the Messiah, and they'll deceive many, and, and you you will hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There'll be earthquakes in, in many parts of the world as well as famines, but this is only the first of the birth pains. Don't, don't miss that. My words, don't, don't miss that, that analogy, that illustration, that metaphor, the birth pains. This is the first of the birth pains, the pain it is leading to something better, in other words. This is the first of the birth pains with more to come. When these things begin to happen, verse 9, watch out. You'll be handed over to the local councils. You'll be beaten in the synagogues. You'll stand trial before governors and kings because you're my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. For the good news must first be preached to all nations. 
But when you're arrested and stand trial, don't worry in advance about what to say. Just say what God tells you at that time, for it is not you who will be speaking, but the Holy Spirit within you. A brother will betray his brother to death. A father will betray his own child. And children will rebel against their parents and cause them to be killed. And everyone will hate you because you're my followers. But the one who endures to the end will be saved. The day is coming when you will see the sacrilegious object that causes desecration standing where he should not be. Reader, pay attention. Then those in Judea must flee to the hills. A person out on the deck of a roof must not go down into the house to pack. A person out in the field must not return even to get a coat. How terrible it will be for pregnant women and for nursing mothers in those days. And pray that your flight will not be in the winter, for there will be great anguish in those days than than at any time since God created the world. It will never be so great again. Before I go on to verse 20, remember, this is the birth pains. These are the birth pains of something wonderful to come. In fact, verse 20, unless the Lord shortens that time of calamity, not a single person will survive, but for the sake of his chosen ones, he has shortened those days. Then if anyone tells you, look, here's the Messiah, there he is, don't believe it, for false messiahs, false prophets will rise up and even perform signs and wonders so as to deceive, if possible, even God's chosen ones. Watch out. I've warned you about this ahead of time. At that time, after the anguish of those days, the sun will be darkened, the moon will give no light, the stars will fall from the sky, and the powers in the heavens will be shaken. And then, then, everyone will see the Son of Man coming on the clouds with great power and glory. He'll send out his angels to gather his chosen ones from all over the world, from the farthest ends of the earth and heaven. Now learn a lesson from the fig tree. When its branches bud and its leaves begin to sprout, you know that summer is near. In the same way, when you see these things taking place, you can know that his return is very near, right at the door. I'll tell you the truth. That generation will not pass from the scene before all these things take place. Heaven and earth will disappear, but my words will never disappear. However, nobody knows. Nobody knows. (laughs) Can I say that again? My words, my emphasis, nobody knows the day or the hour when these things will happen. Not even the angels in heaven or the Son himself. Do you you realize my words that that anybody who says they know when these things are going to happen is saying that they have knowledge that the Son himself does not have? Only the Father knows. And since you don't know when that time will come, be on guard, stay alert. The coming of the Son of Man can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. And when he left home, he gave each of his servants instructions about the work, what they were to do. And he told the gatekeeper to watch for his return. You too must keep watch, for you don't know when the master of the household will return. In the evening, at midnight, before dawn, or at daybreak, don't let him find you sleeping when he arrives without warning. I say to you what I tell everyone. Watch for him. Wow. Feels heavy, right? In fact, sounds a little bit like the book of Revelation, if you read that. Or or John 14 through 17, maybe a little bit of that. In times, persecution, don't know when it's coming. Everything that can be shaken will be shaken. Keep watch, stay alert. The Son of Man is coming in power and glory. It's a lot to read. It's a lot to digest. And we could spend more than a few sessions just on this chapter, but 
But I really just want to camp out on two things, hope and the persevering power of the Word of God. Hope and the persevering power of the Word of God. Now, the persevering power of the Word of God comes in what almost seems to be a throwaway statement in the midst of the end times warnings. But I think it's so important to the whole chapter. It's verse 31 where Jesus says, heaven and earth will disappear, or in some of your translations, pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away, but my words will never disappear. My words will never pass away. Now, if you know your history, you know that in every age, different parts of the world, there's been some leader who has tried to destroy the Bible. For example, in AD 303, the emperor Diocletian was persecuting the church, and he, he thought the way to destroy Christians was to destroy the Bible. So he had his soldiers go door to door, confiscate all the Bibles, and they would then set them on fire. That same year, he had a coin struck with an inscription on it that said, the Christian religion is destroyed and the worship of the gods, small g, plural, is restored. He thought he had done away with Christianity because he destroyed the scriptures, but he didn't get every copy destroyed. In fact, within 10 years, Constantine came along and embraced Christianity. And one of Constantine's acts as an emperor was to commission the making of 50 copies of the Bible handwritten at government expense. Could you see that happening today? I remember that the Bible was not written with permanent markers on nice paper. It was written on papyrus and animal skins with crude and primitive writing instruments. And yet we have more manuscript evidence supporting the text of the Bible than any other 10 ancient literature pieces combined. A recent article in the Leadership Magazine begins with a question, did you ever notice how few Philistines drop by the church anymore? Or how rarely Moabites get converted and lead a small group? Or, or how no one has a cousin married to an Amalekite? Now, pretty much all the nations and tribes from the Bible times that, that were Israel's size are gone. I mean, a few of the huge civilizations from that time still exist, like Egypt and, and Greece. But, but Israel was a tiny, economically challenged small group of nomads. They, they were so insignificant that countries like Rome or Egypt rarely even mention Israel in their historical records. In his book, The Gift of the Jews, author Thomas Cahill asked the question, how did a tribe of desert nomads not only survive, but change the very way the world thought, felt, and acted? What distinguished it from all the other nations that no longer exist? The answer, he said, is the book. <laughs> Israel had a book. They called it the Tanakh. The sacred writings were called the Tanakh, the Word of God. John Orberg writes, this book so defined them, they were called people of the book. To help their children learn the book was the greatest task of every parent. The ancient Jewish historian Flavius Josephus, who lived and wrote during the days of Christ, once wrote, Time and again we have given practical proof of our reverence for our own scriptures. It's an instinct with every Jew, he wrote, from the day of their birth to regard them as the decrees of God, to abide by them, and if need be, to cheerfully die for them. You know, in part, it's the perseverance of the Word of God that gives testimony to the persevering power of God that ultimately gives us hope. And I know that in some ways, reading this chapter maybe seems to drain hope, but that's that's only if or because our days seem easy and our circumstances are at least somewhat comfortable. Honestly, these words were meant to give hope 
to people in or about to be in hard times. They're, they're reminiscent of Jesus' words in John 14 through 17, where over and over again, he said, trouble's coming. You're going to have trouble in the world, but don't let trouble into your heart, for I have overcome the world, fighting earthquakes and famine, family conflict, re- religious turmoil. Literally, the sky will be falling all around you, but those are not merely a sign of the end. They're a sign of the beginning. For what else will you see? And then they'll see the Son of Man coming in power and glory. He will re-enter the world in grand style. His arrival filling the sky. No one will miss it. He'll dispatch the angels and they'll pull in the chosen from the four winds from pole to pole. See, it's the birth pangs of a whole new world. It's not the ending, it's the beginning. The world is travailing. All of creation is groaning for this to happen. While it's happening, it's going to be hard. Hard days are coming, Jesus is saying, to them and to us. But my spirit will be with you. The pages turn into a whole new chapter. So when you watch, this is what you're watching for. It's all about hope and hard times. That's the message. Listen, don't be swept up in nationalistic movements that, that return evil for evil. Don't be deceived by charismatic leaders who offer hope without the hard. Don't be an eschatological end times enthusiast nor a skeptic. We, we typically think of the calm before the storm. Actually, Jesus is telling us that there's going to be a storm before the calm. As Jesus draws near, the battle will pitch heavy, but hope does not die because Jesus is close by. Jesus identifies these things as the beginning of birth pains. When the world and everything around you is collapsing, Christians may yearn for deliverance, but but we have to prepare ourselves for the long haul. The suffering marks only the beginning. You, you cannot know. We, we cannot know how long the labor will be, only that it will be a hard delivery. Listen, God loves you and has a difficult plan for your life. And when it comes to the end times, the most important question is not how do we determine when they're coming, but rather how do we prepare to persevere? And I'm telling you, I think Jesus is telling you, we prepare by practice and hope. At times we've called it expectancy. Being expectant is, it's like faith on tiptoe mixed with this deep sense that I am loved. It's the wide-eyed smile of a little child waiting to come down the stairs on Christmas morning It's more than a belief that God can do something. It's an anticipation that gives us eyes to see what he's doing right now. It's the spark in your heart that makes you dare to look for the good to come from the bad. It gives you eyes to see a life redeemed from the mess while it's still covered with shame. It's this small, tenacious hope that in spite of all the junk and every missed moment, there's a moment coming that will redeem it all. Expectancy is hope. And when the thrill of hope comes, listen... (laughs) The weary rejoice. So even when it's hard, if what you're going through right now is hard, don't lose hope. Don't lose hope. Hear this as a word of God to you. Do not lose hope. Jesus is coming. What you're experiencing is a beginning, not an ending. You're not a remnant. You're a first fruit. What's happening in you, what you're going through, is going to be multiplied and multiplied and multiplied in the lives of others.
Uh, let me close just again by reading a portion of Mark 13 from the message, starting in verse 7. Here's what it says. When you hear of wars and rumored wars, keep your head and don't panic. This is routine history. No sign of the end. Nation will fight nation and ruler fight ruler over and over. Earthquakes will occur in various places. There will be famine, but these things are nothing compared to what's coming. And watch out. They're going to drag you into court, and then it will go from bad to worse. Dog eat dog, everyone at your throat, because you carry my name. You're placed there. Wherever you are, you're placed there as sentinels to the truth. The message has to be preached all across the world. When they bring you betrayed into court, don't worry about what you'll say. When the time comes, say what's on your heart. The Holy Spirit will make his witness in and through you. It's going to be brother killing brother, father killing child, children killing parents. There's there's no telling who will hate you because of me. Stay with it. That's what's required. Stay with it to the end. You won't be sorry. You'll be saved. But be ready to run for it when you see the monster of desecration set up where it should never be. You who can read, make sure you understand what I'm talking about. If if you're living in Judea at the time, run for the hills. If you're working in the yard, don't go back to the house to get anything. If you're out in the field, don't go back to get your coat. Pregnant and nursing mothers will have it especially hard. Hope and pray this won't happen in the middle of winter. These are going to be hard days. Nothing like it from the time God made the world right up to the present, and there will be nothing like it again. If he let the days of trouble run their course, nobody would make it. But because of God's chosen people, those he personally chose, he has already intervened. If anyone tries to flag you down, calling out, here's the Messiah, points, there he is. Don't don't fall for it. Fake messiahs and lying preachers are going to pop up everywhere. Their impressive credentials and bewitching performances will pull the wool over the eyes of even those who ought to know better. So watch out. I've given you fair warning. Following those hard times, sun will fade, moon will cloud over, stars fall out of the sky, cosmic powers tremble, and then, and then, and then they will see the Son of Man enter in grand style, his arrival filling the sky. No one will miss it. He'll dispatch the angels. They'll pull in the chosen from the four winds from pole to pole. Take a lesson from the fig fig tree. From the moment you notice its buds form, the merest tint of green, you know summer's just around the corner. And so it is with you. When you see all these things, you know he's at the door. Don't take this lightly. I'm not just saying this for some future generation, but for this one too, these things will happen. Sky and earth will wear out. My words won't wear out. But the exact day and hour, no one knows that. Not even heaven's angels, not even the Son, only the Father. So keep a sharp lookout, for you don't know the timetable. It's like a man who takes a trip, leaving home and putting his servants in charge, each assigned a tax task and commanding the gatekeeper to stand watch. So stay at your post, watching. You have no idea when the homeowner is returning, whether evening, midnight, cock crow, or morning. You you don't want him showing up unannounced with you asleep on the job. I, I say it to you, and I'm saying it to all. Stay at your post. Keep watch. Father God, I, I pray for each and every person listening. I pray that you would give us the power of perseverance. I, I pray that you would give us a, a courage that, that will not quit. God, I pray that you would 
you would help us to know how very much we are loved by you. I pray that you would give us hope. God, I pray for each and every person going through a hard time, a hard season where, where, where they feel like it's the ending. Surely it's the ending. God, I pray that you would give them the hope that whatever they're going through is, is a beginning, not a beginning of more hard times, but, but the beginning of the birth of a new chapter. That what you're doing in them is going to be multiplied for the good of others. God, would you work in the lives of people? Would you heal hearts? Would you pour out your love? We ask all these things in the name of your son, Jesus, we pray. Amen.